Welcome back to the Gobble em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill. And hello, Hokies, and welcome to episode 25. Yes, we've made it to episode 25. Obviously, that number is very significant with Virginia Tech with Coach Beamer's number. Regardless, we have reached episode 25 of the Goblin Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a car or more specifically a Mazda, if I may suggest? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town and I absolutely love it. So if you need a car or more specifically a Mazda, Duncan will take care of you over there on 460 Bypass in Blacksburg. You can find some of their new and pre-owned selection of vehicles at DuncanMazda.net, so make sure to check them out if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so, so much for joining us, and if you are on Apple or Spotify, go ahead ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate it, and it would really, really help us continue to move up and build forward where we want to be as a podcast. Speaking of us, Paul Duncan is our producer, and I am Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Reminder to follow us on Twitter, at FQGobblemUp is our GobblemUp podcast Twitter, at FQVirginiaTech is our Fifth Quarter Virginia Tech Twitter, and mine is at CBHill underscore R3. Now, we have a pretty pretty good slate for you here today on episode 25 of the GobblemUp podcast. Um, first, we will go recap well, what really was National Signing Day, although the Hokies did not sign anyone this this, this February, this this version of the Sunday day, obviously they got some guys in the early Sunday day period, but we will look into that with what, what uh, some of the topics were with Justin Fuente, what he was talking about in his news conference. J.C. Price is the Hokies' new co-defensive line coach coming over from Marshall. We will go through what we like or what I like about that hire and why that is the right move for Virginia Tech. Then we will go through... The Hokies uh, clunker, 84-73 to loss to the Panthers up at the Peterson Event Center. But the women do get it done, 74-55, to the following night up in the Steel City. So we will recap both of those ones. Then look ahead. Wrestling, I'm telling you. Tonight, turn on the ACC Network at 8 o'clock. You will see a top eight wrestling matchup in, Ca- in Castle Coliseum. Virginia Tech will host third-ranked NC State in Castle Coliseum. Now, we are going to preview that one. We're going to go through each matchup because it's such a big match. I will be there. Our main fifth quarter Virginia Tech guy, Michael Yeager, will be there. And Paul will not be able to. Actually, he's got something going on. So actually, our former co-host and someone who still kind of helps us out with some stuff, Lance Weller, will be with me doing that and helping um, with some production as we will show some. We'll we'll talk to Coach Roby after as well as a handful of wrestlers, and we will go over that the match and show some of those in next week's podcast. And then we will take you home with uh, Virginia tech, Miami preview that is coming up this Saturday at noon on again, your regional sports network, Masson and Virginia and Maryland and Fox sports, South North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Then we'll close it out. So with that, like I talked about national signing day was this past Wednesday for National call for, for college football. Um, the Hokies did not sign anyone in this version of the class. Now, Justin Fuente made it very clear during his news conference 
that the Hokies got everyone they wanted to in the early dead in the, in the early signing period. And I think he's pretty optimistic about this class. And I, I think people don't really give it a chance. If that's a good way to put it, the Hokies did add some very, very notable transfers, obviously uh, Jordan Williams from Clemson, Tay Daly from Vanderbilt. Those are the two highlights for me. Those were all signed before. So no one signed on Wednesday, but there were, they were, there were some hot topics Connor Blumrick, um, Justin Fuente seemed very high on him as a quarterback. Daryl Dickey, who was uh, Fuente's defensive coordinator at Memphis, now at Texas Texas A&M. So he gave the recommendation for the Hokies to go after Blumrick, and he is now slotted to be the Hokies' backup quarterback behind Braxton Burmeister, although that competition you know, will, will still be open for sure, but nevertheless, good get there too. Now, Mike, Berber, uh, Mike Barber, who we had on a couple weeks ago, asked Coach Fuente, you know, are you going to go and get another quarterback? And he said, you know, what what really needs to be addressed is the offensive line. And Coach Fuente talks about how Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor, the two transfers that you know they they left, and those are the ones that really really hurt of the, out of the ones that had left. Now there were not many guys that had left. He said he was not surprised Hendon Hooker left. I think Barber had asked him whether or not he was surprised that he was the one to leave over Burmeister. Nevertheless, he says no. But Justin Fuente says the Hokies need to address the offensive line a little bit more if they're able to add anyone. Um, he said they they don't really have a spot right now, but if something comes open, you know, there's always going to be something medically happening or someone leaving after spring ball because they're not happy with playing time. So Justin Fuente says if the Hokies are going to add someone, is going to be on the offensive line now. Nestor and Hudson are the two really big losses transfer-wise. Obviously, you lose Christian Darisaw, who's going to be a top 15 pick possibly to the NFL draft. Johnny Jordan, who is um, an all Big Ten honorable mention from Maryland, he started 16 games in his four years there at College Park, is coming in. He will help out Virginia Tech's depth. They do have Brock Hoffman coming back, Lucita Smith, and I believe I believe uh, Coach Fuente said they have seven seven guys coming back next year as a super senior, as they call it. John Parker Romo, the kickoff specialist, is coming back as well. Um, Chinga Hodge, the Villanova transfer, is coming back. So those are some of the highlights there. But regard, nevertheless, Justin Fuente says if there is a spot available, again, touching on National Signing Day, they didn't sign anyone, but they would look to add another offensive lineman in the transfer portal. As now, after having one of the best offensive lines that Tech has had ever last year, Vance Vice now finds his offensive line very, very thin. But Virginia Tech, once again, does not sign anyone, but they do have the 10th best class in the ACC from the early national signing day or the early signing day, as well as they add in a lot of transfers who, you know, keep in mind, does not weigh into that 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 ranking. So uh, I think Justin Fuente is pretty – he says he expects Virginia Tech to be good. Now, I think a lot of Tech fans will laugh about that. I know I had said that they're going to go 7-5. and five. That's where I would have them fourth in the ACC Coastal. We'll see. I think Fuente is very, very excited about this class, and he. I think they, they will surprise some people. I think they're a little underrated. I, definitely not one of the better ones Tech has had, but um, I think it's a little underrated, and I'm excited to see what they can do. But Virginia Tech does make a coaching staff move. The second one of the offseason, Tracy Clay's um, linebackers coach retired earlier this offseason, and Jack Tyler, who Justin Fuente said was an easy choice, former Tech linebacker, um, as a replacement for him. He's been in the program for quite some time. Then on top of that, um, Daryl Tapp, obviously we've been talking about him the last couple weeks, huge blow for Virginia Tech, their best recruiter, arguably, 
leaves for the San Francisco 49ers as the assistant defensive line coach. But I'm telling you, Justin Fuente, you know, Daryl Tapp is a big blow for Virginia Tech, but I think Justin Fuente made the best hire he could possibly make to replace him and really softens the blow a lot. J.C. Price comes in from Marshall. He is a Tech grad, spent from 1992, I believe, to 1995, was a senior on that Sugar Bowl team where the Hokies beat Texas and really put Virginia Tech football on the national map under Coach Beamer. I believe that was his, what, ninth season maybe? Somewhere around there. It was, he was there from the bowl streak started. So he is he has seen Virginia Tech football rise up. Um, he was a graduate assistant for the Hokies from 2002 to 2003. So he was there during some of the glory years as well for Virginia Tech football. He has not – another reason why I like this hire, and I'll get, I'll get to it in a minute. He has not coached more than three hours outside of Blacksburg. He's from right outside of Baltimore. He's a Maryland native. But after those two years as a grad assistant at Virginia Tech, I shouldn't um, – I shouldn't forget to mention that he was drafted by the Carolina Panthers and I believe the third round after his all big East selection in 1995 and spent actually was with the Panthers maybe for a fall, maybe off the top of my head and then was traded to the Arizona Cardinals spent two years there out there in Glendale and he has some shoulder injuries I think bothered him and he was unable to play. He does return to Blacksburg as that uh, grad assistant for those two years. Then he heads off to Marsh, uh, JMU, excuse me. Um, he heads off to Harrisonburg in 2004 as the, de- the defensive line coach for the JMU Dukes. He wins an FCS national championship in 2004. He spends, what, eight years in Harrisonburg? Was there from 2004 to 2011. My math may be wrong. Seven, eight years, somewhere around there. He was in Harrison. He was in Harrisonburg for quite some time. That Tech fans will cringe. He was on the JMU coaching staff when the Dukes came into Blacksburg and shocked Tyrod Taylor and the Virginia Tech Hokies, which turned out to be well, the Hokies started zero and two, and that was their last. They didn't lose another regular season game. They won the ACC championship that year, and they ended up losing to Andrew Luck and Stanford in the Orange Bowl. So he was on that coaching staff. He joined Marshall as the co-defense or as the defensive line coach in 2012. Was in that role in Huntington from 2012 to 2017, which means he was on the coaching staff the year Marshall came to Blacksburg in 2013 when the Hokies and Thunder and Herd went to three overtimes. I don't know if you remember that game. Pouring down rain, one of the most miserable games I had ever been to. The Hokies win, I think, twenty nine to twenty one, and over and tri- uh, triple overtime. Logan Thomas had a two point conversion, or that was the, I think that was the pass to Willie Byrne, and Logan Thomas had the two point conversion. But anyway, um, the Hokies, that the JMU win was the the long time JC Price has ever beaten Virginia Tech because he was also on the Marshall coaching staff in two thousand eighteen when they came in as in that fill in game where the Hokies that year needed that last win to become bowl eligible after the ECU game was canceled. So Marshall came in and the Hokies beat them 41 to 20. Ryan Willis and the Virginia Tech Hokies got it done and sent them to the military bowl. That brings me to my next point about JC Price. After 2017, he was elevated to still the defensive line coach, but assistant head coach getting some more experience there spent just one year in that role. And then 2019 and 2020, he, um, moved as into the role as co-defensive coordinator. And if you watch any college football from last year, Marshall had one of the better group of five defensives in the country. They were outstanding. I believe they started 7-0 and on the season and last, lost their last three, were top 15 at one point. So they had a great year last year. They fired Doc Holliday, which was very interesting to me. 
So Price was not retained at Marshall under the new head coach, Charles Huff, but I don't think that would have mattered. I think the Hokies still would have hired him away from Marshall anyway. I mean, this is his home. His wife actually is a Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Famer in women's basketball, was an all-Metro first team, I believe, in like 1995, somewhere around there. They were in school the same year. And so now they return to Blacksburg, so I'm sure they're very excited about that. Another reason I like this move, I talked about the proximity thing. You know, he knows his area. He knows how to recruit. Um, he was the t- 2015 Conference USA Recruiter of the Year. He, he knows how to recruit, and hopefully he'll be able to – I don't think it's what Daryl Tapp was, but hopefully he'll be able to dip into Northern Virginia, Charlottesville, Richmond, the 757, all that, and really help out the Hokies there. And I think it's a good hire. I think it's a great hire. I love that you know Justin Fuente is bringing in former players. Obviously, you have guys like Jack Tyler, you know Daryl Tapp was as well. Um, off the top of my head, once again, uh, Justin Hamilton, obviously, J.C. Price now, and then on the sports staff, you got Javon Gervaio uh, Winslow, Corey Fuller, and a couple others, uh, Pearson Prelo. So you got a lot of former players on the staff now, which is good to see. I think that's one of been early on. That was one of Justin Fuente's biggest criticisms, not having some former players on staff. Now he has some back. So um, I think this is a great hire for Justin Fuente. And I really think I saw someone had tweeted at us about he really, yeah, he really needs to recruit better. In, not he, but Virginia tech needs to recruit better in Virginia. And I think this is a good step. I don't think it's a huge gamble, but bringing in a former player, a former stud player that knows how to get it done here. And that really cares about the university and that can recruit this area. I think is a very, is, is a win-win for Virginia Tech. Now, he only he is the defensive recruiting coordinator, so Justin Fuente shifted some coaching staff roles. Adam Lechtenberg, who is likely seen now as the Hokies' best recruiter, shifts into the offensive recruiting coordinator role. And Ryan Smith, the cornerbacks coach for Virginia Tech, now also adds the passing game coordinator role to his um, – resume of Virginia Tech, I guess you could say. His his title of Virginia Tech is a better way to put it. I think this is a great hire for Virginia Tech. I think it's a – I would obviously you can't really grade it now, but I give it an A hire. We'll see how it pans out. Justin Fuente, I think, has done a, a good job bringing in some former players, and I think he's – I think I think J.C. Price will work out well at Virginia Tech, so happy to have him aboard in Blacksburg. On to men's basketball. Now, the Hokies, we really hyped up the Hokies last podcast, and it's probably my fault they lost. Um, the Hokies, you know, took you know, took the college basketball world by storm after dominating the Virginia Cavaliers uh, 65 to 51. And, you know, a very similar thing happened when they went up to Pittsburgh. It was a close game as it was against Virginia, and then the Hokies couldn't make some shots at the end, and Pittsburgh just went on fire. And the Panthers win 183 to 72 that drops Virginia Tech to 13 and 4 overall and 7 and 3 in the ACC. Now, don't be negative, please. Like <laughs> we were picked 11th in the league. Um we'll win a lot more games and we're still an NCAA tournament team and we are not picked to be one. I I really don't think barring something catastrophic, you know, hopefully I don't I don't I don't jinx it, but barring something catastrophic not happening or happening I think Virginia Tech is already a lock if they win the games they're supposed to be winning from here on out, which should be the Saturday against Miami, but we will get to that in a minute. The Hokies, like I said, fall 83 to 72. Kevin Luma, though, career high, 30 points, 10 rebounds. He just continues to get better and better. Had that rough, better and better. Had that rough couple games, but, I mean, Kevin Luma, the Wofford transfer, he had a fantastic game, really dominated pit down low. 
really, I mean, he fouled out Justin Champagne and only held, held him to 10 points. If you would have, if I would have, if someone had told me before this game that the ACC's leading scorer and likely player of the year at this point, although Kevin Luma may have a case, Justin Champagne scored 10 points and fouled out, I would have said Tech won this game easily. I think I saw Andrew Alex tweet something like that similar, but um, Xavier Johnson has some has something to say about that. He put up 32 points off the bench first game off the bench this year, and he really couldn't miss from three. And the Hokies had no answer from them. I mean, Tech really. I, I don't think I think Mike Young's game plan actually in the second half wasn't bad. I think you know they tried they couldn't stop and they tried to send him to the line and they credit they made free throws, but. Justin Mutz also had a really, really good game. 17 points, six rebounds. Now, the Hokies really did not get much out of their guard play all night. Hunter Couture had 12 points, kind of a quiet 12 points. He had a fine game. Jalen Cohen had three threes in the first half. One of them banked in, but he was no one heard from him in the second half. And Naheem Aline only put up four. BD did not score. Um, I don't really get, get the hate for BD either because he's not a scorer and he's a great defender and an assist machine. But he did not score, and that didn't help the Hokies cause. David Gasson and Joe Bama so got in the game as well. They did not score. But like I said with Pitt, they held Justin Champigny to 10 points, but Xavier Johnson went up for 32, Theo Horton for 15, and, and a DC Tony for 14. So, I mean, that that was kind of the dagger there, how many threes they're hitting towards the end of the game. And this isn't a bad loss, so to say, for Virginia Tech. I don't think Pitt's a bad team, and I think they'll continue to get better. But you can't give up 52, 52 points in the second half, or a half in general. I mean, the Hokies gave up 51 in their last two games, and they gave up 52 and a half to Pittsburgh. It was tied 31 to 31 and a half, and Pitt outscored the Hokies 52 to 41 in the second half. So the Hokies, you know, they got some offensive Early on, they had some offensive firepower. They were up 43 to 37, and it went all downhill from there. Some more stats on this one. The Hokies shot 41% from the field, 30% from three point range. We're th- 13 for 16 from the line. We're out rebounded 33 to 31 and turned the ball over eight times to their seven. Not a lot there either way. Um, the Panthers, though, shot 50% from the field, 39% from three, 22 for 25. That's a key stat there from the free throw line. Like I said, they were trying to get them to the line, and they credit they made them. So the Pittsburgh Panthers knock off the 16th-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies, 83-72. to 72. I think the Hokies will still be ranked if they take care of business down there in Coral Gables this weekend. But disappointing loss for Virginia Tech, you know, especially after coming that off that high. But at least, hey— Brings us down to earth, you know, maybe shows this team. Maybe it's a good thing, you know, shows the team, you know, there's still deficiencies and there's still things to get better. And hopefully they can rattle off a few straight here and, and show the show the league and the country how good they really, really are. And Mike Young, still the man, still ACC coach of the year. No doubt about it. The women, though, go to the Peterson Event Center as well Thursday night. And they get it done, 74 to 55. They dominate the Pitt Panthers. Um, they sweep them on the season. Look out, Kenny Brooks and his squad have won three straight and now are back really in the NCAA tournament picture at 10 and 7 and 5 and 7 in the league. I believe they're tied for seventh or eighth in the league. Some scoring for the Hokies. This is what we like to see. Elizabeth Kitley had a 20-point game, great game, but it was really spread out. Asia Shepard had 16, and Georgia Amore had one of her better games in a while, 13 points. Deja Gregg, who, incredible story, really has did not play very much at the beginning of the year, and now she put up nine and has become one of their key scorers. Kayla King as well put up nine, and Azana Baines, the transfer from Duke, put up seven. The Hokies got a big 74-55 win in the Steel City. Some more stats from this one. The Hokies shot 44% from the field, 39% from Three, 13 for 17 from the free throw line 
and that was to the Panthers, 36% from uh, from the field, 31% from three, and eight for 11 from the free throw line. That's it statistic-wise that are available to me right now. It was 28-10 to 10 after the first quarter. The Panthers got it to a 14-point game at halftime, but Virginia Tech outscored them in each quarter by four remain uh, left, um, and they win this one 74-55 after leading by just 11 at halftime. So... Kenny Brooks and company, watch out. That's that's um, They're becoming a dangerous team. They don't play this Sunday, so we don't have a, a women's basketball preview. They do play next uh, next Thursday at Miami, 6 p.m. on the ACC Network. We'll obviously have some coverage from that next week. Speak, well, I have a chance to talk about it. Speaking of next week, uh, we're going to have some great guests on. Um, some big TV names will be coming on as well. Don't want to reveal them yet, but we'll let you know as we get closer to time. And um, I believe right now we're still working out some details, but Virginia Tech softball coach Pete DeMore is hopping on with us next week to preview Virginia Tech softball season. Um, but we're going to have some some other big guests as well, and we can't wait to share them with you. And I, I think we're, we're hoping to get some player interviews at some point, former player interviews in football, men's basketball, whatever. So we're going to have some great content over the next few weeks, the next few months, especially as we dive into the spring sports seasons. A lot of big names out there, and we can't wait to get them on the podcast. So stay tuned. we got a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff in the works, so stay tuned. All right, wrestling. I told you, Lance and I will be at Castle Coliseum tonight at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. Tune in. Eighth-ranked Virginia Tech host, third-ranked NC State, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. I wish it could have been a full Castle Coliseum because there would have been 5,000 people there. It would be so, so loud. They're just so, so fun going to wrestling matches. But Lance and I will be on Press Row covering that one. have a story about that one coming up soon. Um, And we will also have some – we'll talk to Coach Roby and – some wrestlers following that one, and we'll share them on next week's podcast. One quick thing I forgot to mention about Virginia Tech football earlier on. I actually was on a press conference with Middle Tennessee head coach Rick Stockstill earlier this week for his signing day, and he shared some thoughts on the Hokies' second, uh, their second game of the, se- of the season against the Hokies, so I will have that coming out in a, recent, in, a, in a new article coming up, so stay tuned for that. Back to wrestling, though. I'm going to go through some matchups because there's a lot, a lot of really, really fun ones in this one, like top 10 matchups. It starts at 125, eighth-ranked Sam Latona, who has not lost a match this season, versus fourth-ranked Jacob Camucho. That's at 125, 133. Corbin Myers, my guy, number eight versus number 13, Jarrett Trumley. That's another great one. Another ranked matchup we got is 165, Makai Lewis, the top ranked wrestler in the country, and at 165. And the defending national champion will wrestle 15th ranked Thomas Bullard. Another, this is probably the best match of the night. 184, second ranked Hunter Bolin versus number four, Trent Headley which both of these guys have national championship aspirations. So that should be the highlight of the night. Another ranked one at heavyweight and the final match of the night, number 17, John Boris versus number 19, Deontay Wilson of the Wolfpack. So it's going to be a fun one in Castle Coliseum. I think NC State has the edge, but it's going to be a a really, really fun one to watch. I'm really looking forward to that 184, and I'm really looking forward to a lot of other matches. So hopefully some of those guys can get some wins, and we can talk to them after, and we'll play them to you on next week's podcast. But Virginia Tech wrestling, I know Lance is pumped about it. He was so, so excited when I told him I had a spot for him, and I I, I can't wait to take him and be able to – you know, he has a lot of personal connections to NC State being from that area, and a lot of his friends go to state. And 
you know, I think he kind of grew up hating that, you know, Duke, NC State, North Carolina, because he grew up right there and was always a Hokie. So I think he's looking forward to it, and so am I. I can't wait. So 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. Hokie Nation, tune into that one. That one's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. The one preview, well, we just preview wrestling, but the one basketball preview we got coming up is Virginia Tech-Miami noon, actually, on your regional sports network, Masson in Virginia, Maryland, Fox Sports South, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. This Saturday from Coral Gables, Florida, the Hokies will try to bounce back from disappointing loss at Pittsburgh. They come in, like I talked about earlier, 13-4 and and 7-3 and in the ACC. Now, the Hurricanes have had a disappointing season to date. They come in... Five and eight, or excuse me, seven and ten overall, and three and nine in the league. Now they did just come off a upset over Duke at home, although Duke's not that good. We'll look at some statistics of that in a minute. The Hokies defeated the Miami Hurricanes earlier this year, December 29th, if you remember correctly, in Castle Coliseum, 80 to 78. If you remember, a little scare towards the end of it, but um, since that one, the Canes dropped a heartbreaker to Clemson, 66 to 65. Another heartbreaker to North Carolina, 67 to 65, did take down NC State and PNC Arena, 64 to 59, uh, lost badly to Boston College, 84 to 62, took down Louisville at home in a big upset, 78 to 72, and then hit a losing streak, lost big at Syracuse, 83 to 57, to Notre Dame, 73 to 59, at Florida State, 81 to 59, and then at Wake, 66 to 54, but they do come off that 77 to 75 upset. Over the Duke Blue Devils, we will go through some stats from that one, as well as the Hokies' earlier game with the Canes or, uh, or from earlier earlier this year. Um, but earlier, or excuse me, um, let's look at some statistics from the Hurricanes this season, I should say. Isaiah Wong leads the team in scoring with 17.3 points a game. If you remember correctly, he lit up the Hokies earlier this season. So did Matt Cross, although he has since been dismissed from the team by Jim Laranega, so Okies will not have to worry about big number 33. Chris Likes still has not played, so he um, is not in the picture right now for the Hurricanes, which is a shame because he's a great player, and he would make that team a whole, whole lot better. But Cameron McGusty, who who missed the last game with, I believe, a concussion, he averages 11.6 points a game and three rebounds. Elijah Olani, 10.4 points a game. Earl Timberlake, 9.3 points a game. Although I think he's been banged up as well. Anthony Walker, 8.4 points a game. Harlan Beverly, 7.2 points a game. Najir Brooks, 6.2 points a game. And Ding Gok with 2.6 points a game. So that's really scoring-wise for Miami. Once again, Wong is the leading scorer at 17.3 points a game. Najir Brooks leads the team in rebounds with 6.1. Harlan Beverly leads the team in assists with 3.4. He also leads the team in assists with 1.6. Assist, uh, steals, actually, I should say, at 1.6. And Najir Brooks leads the team in blocks with 1. The most recent game, the Hurricanes took down Duke 77-75. to 75. Some stats from Miami in that one. Elijah Olani had a fantastic game with 21 points. Anthony Walker and Isaiah, Long, Isaiah Wong tie for second with 16. Harlan Beverly with eight. Cameron McGesty and Ding Gak with six. And Najir Brooks with four. Some more stats on the for the uh, for the Canes in that one. 
They shoot 52% from the field, 54% from three-point range. They go 8 for 13 from the free-throw line, but they're shoot, they shot the ball very, very well. They out-rebounded the Blue Devils 33-32. to 32. Turned the ball over 14 times. That was a concern for them against Virginia Tech earlier this year as well to Duke's 13. But overall, Miami does get it done, does get it done 77 to 75. After trailing by two at halftime, they put up 44 points in the second half and won 77 to 75. Earlier this year, they did fall to Virginia Tech 80 to 78. Stats from that one. Miami was led by tied Matt Cross. Tied with Matt Cross was Isaiah Wong. Obviously, Cross is not in the picture anymore. They both put up 16. Harlan Beverly with 14. Elijah Alani with 11. Najir Brooks with 10. Dean Gak with 8. Anthony Walker with 2. And Earl Timberlake with 1. Willie Herenton also got in the game, but he did not score. Some more stats from the Canes in that one. They shot 54% from the field to Virginia Tech's 47. That, that was because of a late run. They shot 40% from three, eight for 10 from the free throw line, out-rebounded Virginia Tech 34 to 28. And then uh, the, there's what I was talking about turnover-wise. 19 turnovers to Virginia Tech's 11. That was the difference of the game. The Canes were... Very, very sloppy with the ball as they were against Duke. So that is something to watch out for if Virginia Tech is able to win this game. Virginia Tech, Kevin Aluma led the team with 26 in that one. Justin Mutz with 15. Tyrese Radford with 13, who um, did plead, I didn't mention this earlier, but did plead guilty for DUI. Um, arrested drunk under the, inf- or under the influence while driving. And he... Mike Young said maybe we'll be back this year, which is surprising to me. But Tyrese Radford, the pit game was really the first time they really missed him. They didn't really have – he could play all sides of the ball pretty much anywhere on the court, and they really, really missed that presence. But he put up 13 in that game. Jalen Cullen put up 12, and that was really the leading scorers for the Hokies in that one. Aline had seven. BD had four. And Couture had three. Cordo Pimsel, who is still out with the back injury, played in that one. Darius Maddox and David Gasson played as well, but none of them scored. But Virginia Tech will try to sweep Miami, and I do think they will. That's my pick. They will bounce back from a sloppy loss at Pitt and head down to Coral Gables and get a, a tight win. Virginia Tech will need it, and they will need it badly to avoid a two-game losing streak heading into a weak hiatus at this point. Their next game that would have followed Miami against Florida State and Castle Coliseum was postponed because of virus issues in Tallahassee. And so they will be sitting out a week now and then will not play until next Saturday. But Virginia Tech, I think, will get it done in Miami and they will need it. And I believe that will put them at probably 21 or 22 in the rankings back in that category, which is probably where they belong at this point in the season and probably fair to say. Well, that's going to do it. Episode 25 of the Gobble Up Podcast, presented by Duncan Mazda and Blacksburg. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. I got to make a pick there. I think the Chiefs are better, but I can't go against the GOAT. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This will be the first time I probably ever root for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl because of Bruce Arians. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will get it done. Down the first ever host, uh, the first ever team to host the Super Bowl, they will get it done down there in Tampa. Thanks for listening. Episode 25 of the Gobble Up Podcast. We went over a lot today, a lot of previews, a lot of recaps, Virginia Tech football, a lot of talk there. You can always shoot us more questions. DM us on Twitter at FQ Virginia Tech. So always shoot us some questions there. We we were more than, Paul and I are more than, more than um, open to looking at those. But 
Lance and I will be at Castle Coliseum tonight. We will have some coverage of that later this week and throughout the weekend with Virginia Tech and NC State in wrestling. Enjoy Virginia Tech Miami and men's basketball this Saturday. Enjoy your college basketball weekend and then your Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks so much. We will talk to you next week. Take care.